Hey guys, <laughs> welcome to It Burns in a Good Way, the podcast. Hi, I'm Mariah. I'm Michaela. <laughs> and welcome to a podcast all about things that burn in a good way most of the time. Things like student loans, working out, and the things we do to dull the pain. Join us every week where we cover the things that matter, the things that don't, and everything in between. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, friend. We have two new voices you guys are going to have to decipher when you're listening. We have guests for the very first time on the podcast. Um, Introduce yourself, y'all. Y'all. You go, Elle. Okay. Um, I am who they speak of um, quite a bit. Well, not quite a bit. Um, I'm Elle, the bartender. Um, Mariah's fiance. Um... Oh, ooh la la. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. You can see my face. <laughs> She's blushing. But that's me. Mm. It's all about me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm Girl Ryan. Girl, Girl Ryan's <laughs> here. I am one of Mariah's longtime BFFs mm-hmm. and also love Michaela. So both <laughs> of the lovely hostesses are my buds. Aww. So... Um, I don't know if anyone knows about this, if you're not, like, in our inner circle, but I'm only friends with people who have the same names, so I know multiple Ryans, multiple Zachs, um, and multiple Michaela's in my life, and also multiple Rachel's. Those seem to be the only friends that I have. So I have Boy Ryan and I have Girl Ryan. You'll meet Boy Ryan in a future episode. I'm sure he's bound to come on and talk. But girl Ryan is here today. Everyone's in our Chicago apartment. We're huddled in here. We're cozy. We're very cozy. I like it. It is bougie in here. It yeah. is. It's our first time with two mics. Yeti, please sponsor us and teach us how to <laughs> yeah. do a better job. Can you bring us someone to help. So yeah, if anyone has some technical help, I'm the editor of these things. Um, <laughs> I'm learning as I go, but I'm lacking lots of knowledge. Yeah. So, so anyway, let me know. Yeah. Let's discuss what we're drinking. So also, I don't know what time you all are listening to this, but we are recording at 10 a.m. on a Saturday, which means it's a mimosa. Mm-hmm. This week's drink. Brunch time. Brunch time. It's brunch time. Brunch we're pre-gaming time. our brunch with mimosas and donuts. And we decided to go a little bit funky and do tropical mimosas. So we have a variety. We have some orange pineapple. We have some peach strawberry. And we have a combination of all of those flavors. It's a little little fun, you know, a little fun activity. Jazz it up a little bit. So yes, this week's drink is a tropical mimosa. And now we're going to start every episode like we always do, talking about what burned. We can let our special guests go first. So I'll go. Ryan, yeah, it's all, right. all you. Yeah. Ryan. So I, if you don't know me, obviously, because this is for my first time <laughs> on the podcast, but, but for those who do, I'm not a huge exercise girly. <laughs> I'm more of a walk on the treadmill type of girly or just mm-hmm. walk around in general. So when people ask me to do workout classes, I automatically kind of like, ugh. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be a part of things, but that's something I typically don't want to do. <laughs> but one of my good friends and co-workers invited me for to a free cycling class last week, which is something I've never done before. 
And let me tell you, that shit burned. <laughs> that shit burned. I had to figure out how to like clamp my feet onto the pedals. And that was embarrassing. The instructor had to stop in the middle of class. But I did it. And I had a really fun time. Yeah, 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 you did it. I was proud of myself. And I did it to the point where I felt like I could do that class more consistently Mm -hmm. but I literally got off that bike and my legs were like jello those classes are intense I was hurting for a few days after that I feel like I can never get my legs to go as fast as the instructors I literally couldn't I could not do it like how do you like I feel like my knee would just pop out of my leg my heels hurt yeah but then do you feel like when you're going so fast your knee's just gonna like shoot off the end of your leg you don't feel that I feel that if anyone else feels that, please make me feel less alone. <laughs> no, I felt like I'm that. Sorry. Yeah, I felt like it's that. like my literally. You're going so quickly, and maybe it's because I have bad knees. Because yeah, your my feet knees are locked in. Like, right. your, your feet are locked in, and so if like you do do something funky with your leg, you can't just stabilize yourself with your foot because right. you're locked into the pedal. Right. It's like your hamster wheel. Yes. Yes. Anyways, like. <laughs> that was that burned in a good way. That's the podcast title. That's perfect. She fit within. Yeah, she if there was so a rubric for the podcast, <laughs> yeah. I would give her a hundred. I got that. Yeah. It was not I me if I'm not going for an A. That's for sure. That was on my a lot of my rubrics in grad school. Yeah, a lot of exceeds Aww. expectations. Wow. No, I think I'm not saying I got this. I'm saying I got a rubric. I did. You did it. Okay. Yeah, guys, I'm. I always exceed expectations. With well. drinks. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh. Al, it's your turn. Wow. What burn this week? Mine's more of like, it's been a slow burn for a long mm. time. Mm. Um, not in a good way. I mean, I don't know. But I have been... Not in a good way. I've been applying to jobs here in Chicago for at least five months, and I haven't gotten anything. Yeah. I got... Yeah. I, I kid you not, probably applied to 60 jobs in different schools in the area. I went to grad school for school counseling, and I was a school counselor while we were in Utah. Um, so I'm trying to continue my career with that. But I've applied to at least probably 60 schools, and I only got one interview. And they didn't even, like, call me back about so, if I got the job so, or not. Yeah, so so annoying. Um, it, that that was what it was. But, yeah, I think my this has been a slow burn for a while, and... Uh, just hoping, hoping something turns the corner soon. I have some faith. August is coming up, so mm-hmm. maybe some positions will open up. But that is my slow burn. Not in a good way. I need to make money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Burn of the day. Rough. Yeah. It's yeah. hard being... There's, like, in... no words. There's no words. Yeah. Like, being <laughs> in your late 20s, I feel like it's just such a weird time of life because you feel like you have these like set expectations for where you thought you were going to be versus where you are. And I feel like job hunting during this time is like especially stressful Mm -hmm. because it's tied to so much more than just a job. Well, and there's like recession talk. Exactly. So it's like, is that affecting schools too? I don't know. So the only thing I can do is just keep applying and try to get a job. Something (laughs) will come. I know something will come. Something I'm fully aware that something will come, but yeah, Sucks just sitting and waiting for it. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the worst so, part. Yeah, oh, that's, that's me. me. It does. My yes. Um, I'll go next. So you thought of something? I did. Whoa. I struggled last episode to find something, and I would say that's I struggled up thing. until about ninety seconds ago. Oh. Um, but I have something now. Um, so and I would say it's probably like a really. It's not like a huge burn. It's just something that like I've been thinking about lately that is hard to do, and I think probably other people experience this too, and that's. 
like getting into a solid routine in a new space. So like we moved across the country a couple weeks ago. Yesterday was our two weeks of living here, which means like the novelty of living in a new place, it hasn't necessarily worn off, but like the apartment itself is starting to feel a little bit more like home. Mm -hmm. But that also means now I'm like trying to figure out like a routine. And like Al said, she doesn't have a job yet, so she doesn't really have a routine either. So we're both trying to figure out like how to feel settled because our stuff is now settled. But like us as people, it's hard to figure out like what are we doing every day? And I am a person who thrives on routine. I have OCD, fun fact. Um, And I need like structure and routine in my everyday life to feel like to lessen my anxiety. And so I've been struggling a lot with like figuring out what the routine is. I still have three weeks until my job starts. And so it's kind of a weird middle space, like a gray area to be living in right now. And sometimes that kind of burns and it and it makes me not a very fun person to live with. And I don't know if other people have have experienced that or like live with someone like that, but like I have a tough time when I'm not in a structure, when I'm not in a routine, I struggle to like be in a happy mood. So that's what's burning right now is I'm just trying to figure out a routine, trying to get organized and it's a little bit slower than I would have liked. Mm. But also I'm trying to soak in the fact that I'm not working a job right now and I can relax, but I'm bad at relaxing. I'm the worst relaxer. So my mom just tried to call me. She probably wants to say hi to all of us. I I know you're busy, but Ryan's there, so I just wanted to call and say hello to Ryan. I would never say hello to Ryan. Caller number seven, welcome to the podcast. You're on with Mariah and Michaela. How can I help you? <laughs> um, you're so sweet to call to chat with me. Well, we're recording and we're drinking. We're pre-gaming our brunch with tropical mimosas. <laughs> and we have donuts. So <laughs> we're gonna, we okay. Well, I'll talk to you later. Okay, see ya. Love ya. Bye. <laughs> I'm obsessed with my that mother. Okay, listen. Great. I, I have this. It. I have this theory. That my family likes Ryan more than they like me. <laughs> Probably. And it's honestly, like, yeah. if you if you had to prioritize, and Not this is a rude, joke, but... so if my family's listening, I know you love me the most. But if I had to rank it, <laughs> it's probably Ryan, and then Al, and then me. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and then I love me. your family. <laughs> and then Michaela. <laughs> yep. And I'm yeah, so there's that. And that doesn't include like my other sister who's also high on the list. Linda so, and Don are my homies. Literally. Ryan is best friends with my grandma. Okay. Mm. They're lovely folks. And they created one of my anyway. favorite people ever. So I think we should they're fine in my Stop book. It. Stop <laughs> it. This is why you're giving a speech at my wedding. Okay. I will make the best damn speech. <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, Unless yeah. we don't cry through the whole thing. So you still need to talk about what burns. I, mine's like more of like a general burn. Mm. I have been, um, it doesn't, I've been told, okay. I have been struggling with acne lately Mm. and it's all been hormonal Mm -hmm. and it's just been annoying the like living shit out of me. And right now it's not that bad, but it's always around my mouth. Mm. Always. And it's just the most annoying thing and it burns big time and I'm going to see a dermatologist in a few weeks so there's the like silver lining there's a hope a light at the end of the tunnel but 
I'm really, it's really pissing me off. Yeah. Have you ever had, it's always like cystic too. And I'm wondering, Sorry. so you have to update us on what your dermatologist said because yeah. I had hormonal acne for like two and a half years when I lived in Salt Lake and I went to a dermatologist and her advice was like the worst. She basically, for like small spots of hormonal acne, told me to get rid of all of the products that put moisture into my skin, which I feel like you That's get... That's not going to happen. Right. No. Like she had prescribed like benzoyl peroxide and like a whole bunch of stuff. And then like basic... The only thing I still use that she recommended, which we've used for a long time anyways, is the um, face wash. Okay. We use Cetaphil face wash, which I know I a lot too. of derms like CeraVe, CeraVe instead. Mm. But we use Cetaphil. I love that face wash. That was what was on her list. That's what she told me I could keep in my routine. Otherwise I had to get rid of everything else, which I still pared it down. It did make a difference, mm -hmm. but I put like the two products she said to put on my face. And like three days later, I don't know if you remember this, my eyes were swollen yeah. and I didn't even put it around my eyes, but I had this huge red patch what? all over my eyes and my eyes were basically swollen till they were like half what open. What the hell? Yeah. So, I hated it. I was very sad about yeah. it and I didn't listen to her really after that. And I only had like very minimal breakouts. It was kind of like you, like I had a bunch mm -hmm. on my chin and that was about it. So I knew it was hormonal. But whatever you're doing, so it's anyway. working because your skin looks really good. Like, it's good right now. And here's yeah, the I thing. I think it might be as part of the humidity. Humidity. See, that's okay. Yeah. This is my My skin does better in humidity. I love humidity. Yeah. I love humidity in the heat. I love cold humidity. Don't mm -hmm. care. Yeah. I just am You talked better. about that in one of the episodes. Did I? Yeah. You did. Okay. Yeah. You're a winter girly. So, <laughs> yeah, she's a winter girly. She loves winter. Yeah. And so, and then I think, too, I do better. think humidity makes my skin better. But, like, the last year, I think I've, like, done a lot to just, like, I think there's something to be said about minimizing your skincare. Yes. Like not putting a ton of shit yeah. all over your skin. And I did for a while. I was having too many serums and whatever. Mm -hmm. So minimizing skincare. And also I stopped washing my face as often. And I think that made a difference. So like I, oh. I and I don't wear makeup. I don't wear makeup every day. I feel like that's one of the So keys. I that's wash the my bigger face. Ones yeah. Not wash your, I right. don't either. Well, but the thing is I didn't wear makeup all through COVID either. And I had acne all through COVID. Mm. So, but I think I wash my face at night and then in the morning I just splash it with water and dry it. So it's kind of refreshed, but I've seen a lot of people, like if you're not working out or whatever in the morning, there's literally no point to wake up and wash your face again. If you washed it when you went to bed at night, because it's just going to strip your face of natural oils yeah. that you built up overnight that could help support the moisture in your skin. I don't know. It may not work for everyone, but like I also don't have oily skin, so I don't think I need to like get rid of the oil a lot. I have like normal to dry you know, skin. I, you know what I bought it? Well, my parents bought it, but I bought into the proactive. Oh, did that actually work? I did that. No, I no. so I did it in high school. Um, mm -hmm. And you, you do it for like six to eight weeks to like make sure like because it, it takes that long to see if it works. And I swear it made it worse i heard that the this is probably not true but i heard that like people high up in rodan and fields actually like made proactive i think like, so part of proactive. i think so but I think ultimately for everyone yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. well and like my cousin sent me a funny thing like people are so obsessed with their skincare nowadays and this at our age because we grew up with like those scrub pads oh, yeah. and like the grapefruit like beads stuff what about those little like, things that like, soaked up the oil on yeah. your skin and you oh, could like yeah. yes. like this paper those stuff yeah. Paper that you yeah. Liked. yeah i remember those because no, we didn't want to be dewy at all 
I was like, I want oh, to be the maddest person. Yeah, like, if you look anywhere with humans. And also, like, imagine if we were still into that mat, like, how many facial lines you'd be able to see. And, like, it's just, <laughs> it's a mess. Anyway, um, that was a tangent for another day because we should probably get into the topic for this morning, What's which it? is something that all four of us have in common. In our 20s, we moved to Utah. And so we are talking about Utah trends and what it is to be a Utah transplant. Um, and we're just gonna we're just gonna go. We're just gonna talk about all the things. I feel like I've bought into some specific Utah trends. I feel like Utah trends are like really common right now. Like I'm seeing so many TikTok videos of like people making fun of what it means to be a Utah mom. I've seen those too. And like the Stanley Cup saga. <laughs> and I'm not talking about hockey. You know, yeah. and just, you know, our preconceived notions about what we thought Utah and Salt Lake specifically was going to be and if it changed or didn't change as we spent more time there because Ryan and Michaela still live there. Yeah. Al and I obviously don't. We live in Chicago now and we've had a couple weeks to like decompress from our time in Utah. I lived there for four years. Al lived there for one so I thought we'd first go around and briefly talk about what brought us to Utah and then go from there. I like it. I'm getting pointed at, so that means it's me first. Yeah. <laughs> so my husband, Zach, and I, who he actually did the music for this podcast. Yes. Shout out to Zach. I love him. Um, we moved to Utah literally two weeks after we got married in 2018. Hmm. We... Got married pretty young. We're both from Georgia, by the way. And in Georgia, there's actually a lot of commonalities between Georgia and Utah, which I can talk a little bit more about later on. But you get married pretty young there, especially if you grew up more conservative Christian. That's kind of the thing to do. So I was 24, Zach was 25, and I wanted to get into a PhD program. I had done my master's at the University of Georgia, and... I was wanting to do a PhD in communication studies and I had a few different options. One of them was staying at UGA. The other one was going to, um, what the hell? Pit Pittsburgh. Mm, Good Lord. Yeah. I could not remember that for a Good second. Um, and then one was going to Utah and originally Utah was my last choice. Um, I knew nothing about Utah besides Mormons for real. That's all I knew about Utah. <laughs> I didn't even know it was, like, a beautiful state. For some reason, in my brain, it was just, like, oh. not pretty. Like, my dad would always talk about landing in Salt Lake City and, like, how bumpy the landing was and how he hated layovers there. And in my brain, I just kind of it's got true, this yeah. vision of Utah's... Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just <laughs> equated for some reason. Yeah, it's not a review. Yeah, exactly. Like, there was really nothing positive I heard about it because people just didn't really move to Utah from the South at the time I was going and everyone was like, what the hell, when they found out I was moving out there. But basically, I went for a visit to the PhD program. And I came in at night, so I really couldn't see anything in Utah until I woke up in the morning. I opened the windows in my hotel room, and it was this panoramic view of mountains. And I literally cried because of how beautiful it was. Oh I was, like, blown away. I had never seen mountains that close 
in a major city before in my entire life. And I knew from that moment I had to figure out a way to stay. And so that was a huge part of me making my decision was just being genuinely so blown away by how beautiful it was. And can I just point out that we met on that very <laughs> yes, same we did. visit. And we decided we were going to be best friends, although I was convinced that I wasn't coming back to the University of Utah. Which is like another story. I think we could talk about like when we talk about grad school, mm-hmm. um, that'll be something that we can discuss. But... I just wasn't sure when I went on that same visit and met Ryan, I was convinced that I was going to go to Cornell. Um, So I had applied to Cornell and was on their waiting list. And I was apparently the only person on the waiting list. So one person had to drop out. And if one person dropped out, then I would be going to Cornell. And I was waiting at the time for someone to drop out. And I was like, oh, this is a free trip to Utah. I might as well go. I never, the only thing I really knew about Utah was Mormons, but then also the Olympics and I love mm. the Olympics. Oh, and yeah, so that was like 2012, 2008. 2008. Yeah. And so I loved the, I loved watching the Olympics. It was such a cool place. And like growing up, we were super into sports and stuff. So I had seen that. 2008? I think it's 2008. I, I was like, I it was 2004. Oh, maybe I've been 2004. You know what? what we'll you look it up. And we'll let you know. Sorry. Google it. I I feel like I need to figure this out too. It might be 2004. It was 2002. 2002. Oh, wow. Drink. Drink. (laughs) 2002. Mm. You guys are way off. Now I feel bad saying I was really into sports because I didn't. But here, listen. In 2002, I was nine. You're good. So let's just, you know. But anyway, we followed it a lot. And so that was the only thing I knew was like, oh, the Olympics was there, so there's a lot of athletes there. And, like, my family had known people who had, like, lived in Park City. I knew Park City was, like, this fancy vacation spot. So I had known a lot about Salt Lake. But Utah was, like, a last-minute thing. And I don't think that people know, not that people are going to listen to this from the department, but the only reason I applied is because my future advisor followed me on Twitter (laughs) and was really nice. And he had really cool research. And I was like, sick, this guy is like interested in what I do. And was like commenting on my sharing of my research. Well, that's important. Like that's a big deal. Right. Like he, I that's felt like even through Twitter, he like was paying attention to what I was doing, which was cool. And he was really hyped about what I was doing. And ultimately that was like the best decision ever. But I applied just because I knew who Avery Holton was. And my advisors at the University of Iowa, where I got my master's, were like, oh yeah, Avery Holton. He's like going to be a big shot. Like it'll be a good place to be. So I applied, I got into a handful of programs, but a lot of them didn't want to pay to send the grad students out. So two of the programs I got into, they wouldn't even be willing to like let me visit. And if I visited, I had to pay for it all myself. And I was a poor 24 year old, I'm not going to pay for myself. And Utah was like, we will pay for everything, come out and visit. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll just go. Hell yeah. So I went, um, and I hated it. I was so claustrophobic. She literally cried to me in the elevator. I cried. Yeah, the last on night our we, first night. Wasn't yeah, the, yeah. But it was like basically the last night there. Like, That's true. Because I feel like we yeah. met on the last day. We did actually. Yeah. But anyway, so I didn't like it. I felt I had never been in a place with mountains, but unlike Ryan, who was like really loved them, mm. I felt like they were closing me in. Because mm. being in Iowa, you can see for miles and miles and miles. And honestly, we never really went down into the valley much. Like we were on campus, which is like slanted. And I was a little bit like blown away by how close the mountains it were. It is on the hill. So you could yeah. see the whole valley. Yeah. <laughs> like but like, I want I think, I think now like coming back, living in the valley and being in the more flat areas of Utah, like would have been nice as a visitor who was used to flat ground, mm-hmm. you know? But then I left and all I could think about was Utah. 
<laughs> like all I could think about was like, oh, this is cool. Like people were really interested in me. And so I also then moved to Utah in August of 2018, same time as Ryan. And she was my first friend there. And we went to brunch together like right when we moved. Oh, and it was, was, it, was it love at first sight. <gasps> was it, it, it Ruth? It was Sweet Lake Biscuits and Limeade. Oh, yeah. I yeah. walked up wearing a pair of like old denim shorts and like a plain shirt and Mariah came up in like this beautiful sundress with like her hair up and I was like shit I look so underdressed but hey that's that's our friendship right there. That is our friendship. <laughs> it is every time we would hang out she was like Ryan's gonna look cute so I have to look cute and I'm like okay. I literally will just ask Mariah what she's wearing now so yeah. I know what oh, caliber of, of outfit you have to do, no matter going out with who I ask yes. what's the vibe exactly casual what are we are doing today? Today? you need to yeah so anyway, that's how Ryan and I became friends and also how we moved to Utah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Al, this one's a quick and easy one. Why did you move <laughs> to Utah? Why yeah. Why we moved? Why you moved? Um, uh, I moved because of Mariah. And that's about it. <laughs> she loves me. She loves well, you. Yes, I do. <laughs> so she only lived there for a year. She moved in July of 2021. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we moved exactly. out this summer. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a good year. It was good, and it was I had just graduated from grad school, so it was like the perfect time to move. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like I was in the middle of a program or anything, but it was just like it all made sense, and I knew moving there that we possibly there was a good chance we'd move out in, in like a year, but it was still not a hundred percent. Like you still could have found something in the U, but. Or just in the industry or something. But yeah, I moved out because of Mariah. And um, what did you think about Utah before? I I thought it was worse than what I actually experienced. Worse sounds like a bad Wait, word. Wait, can you I thought it that? was different. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot different than what I was expecting. Oh, what I knew about Utah? Uh, honestly, not much. I knew Mormons. Um, and, but that's it. But I knew, but also like, I'm moving to a city. How like yeah. religious mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how, how like conservative can it be? Which mm-hmm. I found out once you get outside of Salt Lake proper, it is pretty conservative. But again, still not like as extreme, mm-hmm. at least with like day-to-day interaction with people than I thought I would feel. Yeah. So. All right. Oh, great. Um, so I'm from Colorado. I was born and raised there. I went to college there. Um, and then I did a couple years in California. And the story of how I got to Utah is that I graduated college in Colorado. I had a really tough time finding a job. I lived kind of all over the state. And then I got an opportunity to work in California. So I moved to California and I was dating this guy Um, pretty seriously. I only lived there for about two years, but we were together the entire time. And then the pandemic hit and um, I lost my job and the guy I was dating, um, we broke up and I was like, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anybody keeping me in California. I didn't have any money to stay in California. So I had this big question mark of, okay, what do I want to do now? Um, And so I started applying to jobs in Denver, in Seattle, and in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was applying to jobs in Salt Lake City because I knew that it was way cheaper than anywhere else. Um, And it was still a city. That's what I wanted. I'm a a city person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the job markets in Seattle and Denver were insane. And I think they're even worse now. 
Um, and I wasn't, I didn't even get an interview, I think anywhere. And I was interviewing all over the place in Salt Lake City and I ended up getting three job offers for Salt Lake City. So I was like, I guess I'm going to Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got there. Um, it was over Christmas as when I moved. Um, and I think for me, I, because I grew up in Colorado, I was pretty familiar with Utah. Mm-hmm. I had been to Utah many times. My parents are very active. Um, my dad's a cyclist. And so we, we would do like races and stuff in Moab and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And there was a point where we went to Moab every year mm-hmm. for his, his races. Um, so I was very familiar, not with, I'd never been to Salt Lake, but I was very familiar with Utah mm-hmm. and the overall like mountain lifestyle. Um, and I had constantly heard people being like, oh, like the skiing's better in Park City mm-hmm. and like we go from here to Park City to ski. And so to me, I was like, this is like the same but different, you know, like mm-hmm. there's not many differences. And, and I'll never forget when I told my really good friend, Nicole, she lives in Denver. I was like, I'm going to move to Salt Lake City. And she was like, no, <laughs> she was like, there's the Mormons. That's what people told me too. That was like the exact same And I response. was like, it's not that bad. Right. It's yeah. fine. And she right. was like, well, like you can't buy beer on Sundays. And I was like, I don't need to buy beer on Sundays. Turns out it's you fine. do. Turns out that's the only day I want beer or alcohol or whatever. Um, but I think um, that my, I really thought it was not going to be as bad as it was. Yeah. Um, I had pretty fun to talk about. Yeah, Yeah. because I thought it was so much better than I imagined. I I agree too. And I had, I just had, and I don't know if it's because we lived further, like we grew up further away. Yeah. And so, like, the scare tactic of like what it means. And also, I might point out that if you are listening to this and you're part of the LDS church, we understand that it's Latter-day Saints now, and it's not Mormons. But some people, I even know people who are LDS who still say I've Mormons. I've gotten so many so. mixed messages on what we're supposed to call them, and I... I didn't even know there was, like, a debate. There yeah. is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. because Mormons, a lot of people assume it's, like, F-L-D-S. fundamentalists. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so, like, Mormons are equated to polygamy, and um, members of the LDS church do oh, not practice polygamy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's their fault. But anyway, we do know. We're going to probably use the word Mormon. Just know if we say Mormon, we, we don't assume fundamentalists. Right. We're not talking about yes, polygamy. Yeah, the modern day Mormon. We're talking about people yeah. who are part of the LDS church. Yeah. But anyway, I think maybe because we lived far away, like, I was... Everyone I spoke to about going to LDS, like, going to Salt Lake was like, oh, beware of the Mormons. Like, you're going to have so many people be Mormon. And, like, people were like, you're going to be married to a guy in less than a year and have three kids during your I PhD was told and that drop too. out. Yeah. Right. And like before I, so I also something to know, I wasn't out before I moved to Salt Lake City. I didn't even really think that I was queer before I lived in Salt Lake City. So um, that's kind of an interesting like story moving yeah. to like a more conservative state and then coming out. That was fun. <laughs> but I think like I was like, told so many horror stories that when I got there and met actual people it wasn't as bad for me because I believed everyone when they were like yeah it's gonna be fucking weird but then I was like well we're going to grad it was different for us because we went to a grad program where everybody was from out of state almost all of the faculty were from out of state and so a lot of people we spent time with were not LDS because they were not from Utah 
And I think that also would have altered our experience, like spending a lot of time with people from other states. That's a good point. Like, it didn't seem as bad because we're not actually hanging out with people who are from Utah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? Because all my, not all my, but a lot of my coworkers are Mormon. So, right. Mm -hmm. So, your experience would be different. But we had, like, built in friends. Well, Mm -hmm. that's how Mm -hmm. I felt about it because if you are willing to, like, make friends with the people in your program, then you've got, like, a built in support system when you come. None of us were LDS. Right. All of us were pretty, like, liberal in our views, I would uh-huh, say. And uh-huh. so, yeah, it was definitely would have been different if I came in without a network of friends built in. I might have had a completely different experience, to yeah. be honest, because everyone I was surrounded with. So, fun fact, I my husband and I <laughs> lived in student housing in the University of Utah when we first moved out here. Yes, like student family housing. It was $800 (gasps) for a two-bedroom apartment. Shut up. Which is a steal. Unbelievably good. Hey, the walls were cinder block, but Uh, I dressed those things up, all right? And then... Okay. Yes, pretty much. It was pretty much required that you were, like, married. (laughs) That's way harder than that. everybody that Zach and I were (laughs) surrounded with in that apartment complex was, I would say, 90% LDS or Mormon. Same thing. I'm sorry. I'm just using both words. But so if I didn't have the friends I had in my program, I have no idea what I would have done because it was pretty clear after the first couple days of interacting with these people that... If Zach and I weren't willing to go to church with them or participate in LDS types of activities, we were not going to be friends with them. That was pretty much yeah. the the subtext. It's all or nothing. Because we were invited to a lot of LDS things, which we politely declined. Mm-hmm. And we would, you know, tr- talk to people when we saw them outside. But, like, it was pretty much if you are part of the church, you're not really part of the, the friend group of the people that were living there, which was fine with us. But yeah. would have been much harder if we didn't have friends built in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, and this might be switching gears a little bit as we kind of dig into this, but like, I also only really noticed the heavy LDS presence in the first year and the last year that I lived in Utah. Really? And I think the first mm-hmm. year is because I lived in a complex over by the west side, kind of by the airport, and there was a lot of people coming and going, and the type of complex I lived in was a lot of buildings where your door faced the outside. And so we had a lot of missionaries. And I also, in my first year, was like, figuring out my sexuality, starting to become more interested in women. And by the end of my first year, I was like, even equating like my um, gender presentation more with like a masculine typical of what a queer woman or a lesbian woman like in my mind at the time I thought would Mm -hmm. be right. And so and I think a lot of people when they come out, they have maybe some experimentation with like how they present outwardly, even if it doesn't have anything to do with like their gender identity, they're gonna like I wore more sweatpants and I cut my hair shorter and I stopped wearing makeup. And like I kind of experimented with what Mm -hmm. I looked like because I was very femme before I came out. And I was like, oh, if I'm gonna be gay, then I should probably dress more gay, you know? And then then I (laughs) made my way back there. Right, it's total total bullshit, but like I didn't know. And I also Mm -hmm. at the time was making queer friends for the first time and learning a lot about what it means to be queer and specifically like queer in Utah and all of the struggles that many queer folks have gone through because of the Mormon church and the LDS religion. And so I feel like I noticed 
Mormons existing and the impact that the church has on Salt Lake. Because there's also something that's really interesting in Utah, which is like, there's the church and then there's the culture that the church brings into the community. And that's, I think, what also makes Utah LDS members different from other states. And like Arizona, I've heard is very similar in like the culture in some areas because mm -hmm. there's a lot of LDS folks mm -hmm. in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And so they bring in this culture. But like Salt Lake City, if people don't know like the history of the LDS church, like that valley, they were brought into that valley. And so a lot of people see Salt Lake City as like the Mecca, the, mecca, the yeah. hometown of all LDS folks in, in the world, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of people come. There's a lot of tour like tourism that happens because of the LDS church. There's huge, you know, the primary church is downtown. There's museums and all kinds of office buildings. And there's a um, an LDS church on every single corner. And so not only are there a lot of people who are LDS, but like other assumptions that may or may not be communicated by the church or church leaders and members impacts the city as a whole. Yeah, Like a lot of our people who are in higher offices and controlling what goes on with the city also happen to be LDS. And the people that I've met who are LDS in Utah are often a lot more strict with their practices than in other states. Like I met some LDS people who are from Iowa and they don't, practice their religion in the same way which mm -hmm. is very similar of all religions i think but that means that salt lake city is like wild sometimes you know yeah it does compared to the midwest it does seem in some aspects like a different world yeah 100 percent. me coming in i was again i think heavily influenced by the people around me back home saying like oh utah why? like why mm -hmm. or like have fun out there because knowing I was gay and everything but I think coming in I was expecting like I had a lot of like nervousness coming into my job because I'm like yes. I'm gonna probably work with a lot of LDS people like do I like even students. come out do it and well not even like because the students Gen Z they're cool like yeah. I'm less worried about students than I am the adults that I'm working with so I was just more like my work environment, like, do I even come out? Do I even mention I'm with somebody, dating, and then engage with somebody? Do I even do any of that? And it was, I was counting this yesterday. I was in an office of about 13 people, all of which were LDS besides me and one other coworker. So I, I gravitated kind of towards that one coworker a lot. Um, but everyone was great. Like, at the very least, everyone was, like, great to my face. I don't know. I mean, but, like, everyone was asking about Mariah. Like, oh, what are you guys doing over spring break? Are you going to hang out with her family? Like, and then I ended up telling a few people that I was going to propose. And they were all, like, super excited. Like, coming into my oh, office where we'd, like, congregate. So, like, that's what I meant by, like, I expected different things. Like, it was, I think with the, I had a great time. I mean, I know, but overall, like, yes, there's the culture of LDS where it's, like, I... I know maybe some of my coworkers. I don't. Well, I don't know that. Maybe some of my coworkers like didn't approve, but like overall, I got the very welcoming feeling, at least in the workspace. And then I lived basically in Salt Lake proper. Yeah. So, but I worked outside in a suburb, which was very LDS. Um, so, I think that's just my experience. Like, I only had wait you one year worked in a uh, Salt Lake prop. Uh, no, I lived in Salt Lake proper. But I worked in a suburb, suburb yeah, and, in a high school. And you didn't see that in your students? Um, 
It wasn't really brought up with my students okay. all that much. Interesting. Well, and here's the thing I think it's, it's, about... a, it's a delicate balance with students because it's like, yeah. how much do you reveal of your personal life? Just in general, like as a professional relationship, there were some students who I did talk about just very briefly um, based on like what they were talking to me about. Um, but I did have also a bunch of students who were like, oh, I'm going to go on a mission this year. So I'm not going to college for two years. Oh. How do I defer that for college? Yeah. So like there was a lot of those conversations, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as much of an issue with... It, it is a personal thing. Like, I, it was just me being, like, super nervous about, like, how much do I express myself um, and feel safe? And I felt very safe. It, it was great. Um, so I feel like to our faces, like to my face, most LDS people are very kind. They're very yeah, nice. Yeah, they're awesome. Like, they're I made incredibly friends. kind. They're yeah. incredibly they really kind are. people. And they some really, of them, really I are. think, legitimately are kind and support LGBTQ plus communities. And then there are some that don't, right? There are some that are very kind, but then... They might share, like, I've had people that I knew of who were LDS who seemed very nice, and then online they would share some, like, kind of messed up opinions, in my opinion, like, some political beliefs that don't match up with mine, and would vote in certain ways or support certain um, legislation that is not supportive to me or who I am as a person, right? And so there's kind of that that I felt more. And I also, I mean, I think there's a combination of things like going to grad school and getting a PhD. I was also more active in the political space than I had been in my life before. So I wondered if either, like, what came first? Like, is it because I went to grad school and then I liked politics and therefore I was noticing people who were LDS or more conservative were voting against stuff? Or if I noticed they were voting against stuff and then I became more active in politics. I don't really know. But it, it's definitely, like, LDS people are very, very kind in my experience. But sometimes that's not the only attitude they have. Like, that, that'll that take you so far. It's great that you're kind to my face, but if you're voting against my own rights and you're also sharing things online, right. that's when we have a problem. Yeah. Like I have people who are very kind to like Al and I as a couple, for example. Mm-hmm. And like I worked, I worked at the yoga studio. So there were a handful of LDS women who were all very nice, but like I had to be careful about who I came out to and who I didn't, because if I know you're LDS and you have five kids and you married your husband at 19 and you know, you live in this giant house in big Cottonwood Canyon or wherever it is. Right. <laughs> like Shit. I, how much money do you yeah, have? Well. Right. And, I, and, and also I just don't know like what your beliefs are and like, we had people who were very kind to us as a couple and swear that they're LGBTQ plus allies and then go post transphobic shit on their Instagram. Right. And yeah. they they assume that that's fine. And it's like, I'm cool with gay people. But I'm going to vote but like, trans women time. aren't women. And I'm like, yeah. that's not an ally. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not being an ally. And so I feel like there's some weirdness there that I didn't experience elsewhere. But I feel like they're like bigots everywhere. Well, it's just, this is, like, the unique LDS culture, like, the culture of it. I would say overall, though, I was very humbled, What like, because my opinion coming in was very, like, I have to shelter my, like, I have to protect myself everywhere, whereas it kind of was just a life lesson and, like, people are good. People are good. It's just with the the specifics of the religion, it's difficult to deal with, but... I think for me, especially knowing probably we would be there a short time, I was just like, I feel safe now and this is good enough for me. Yeah. I don't know what their personal beliefs were like in their own heads or whatever, but it was good for me. On a lighter note, you know what the Utahns turn, the LDS people turned me on to? Diet Coke. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, no. Hold up, hold up. We did talk about about some weird trends and stuff. 
You should get this one. Yeah. Hold up. I so I've had Diet Coke before before mm-hmm. we got here, but that's all. That's all they drink out there. It's like yeah. water out there. So and then all the like soda water. shops and everything, and the dirty sodas or whatever oh. you call them, whatever. Because but I will there's say, some weird things about Utah that we need to expose. Need to I will say a good Diet Coke, ice cold. Mm. Mm, it's good. Okay, hold yeah. on. So yes, it turned her into Diet Cokes. Dirty Cokes or dirty soda is a thing, okay? It's like adding a bunch of stuff that sounds like it wouldn't be good into a soda. Um, if you're not on Utah TikTok, then you may not know if you don't live there. Lucky. But soda shops are a huge thing because obviously um, LDS folks do not drink alcohol. Most of them don't. Um, or on occasion mm, most or whatever. Most of them don't. Yeah. Some of them, Some of them do. do and they yeah. break the rules. We can talk but about anyway, that okay, so time. anyway, it, as a replacement for that, they just like sugar. That's not okay. better. I know, but hey, I'm they sorry. do. I'm sorry. I, I fuck with it. Yeah. I will drink that soda. I, the soda and the cookie shops and all of that yeah, stuff, it's very, very shops. trendy and it's very popular in Salt Lake City. But the soda shop, so that my favorite one is the Dr. McCreamy. Oh, That's God. my favorite too. And so you told good. me you got it. So and good. I was like, that is my favorite. I wanted want to hate it, it but it was actually not that bad. No, if you want to make it at home, it's Dr. Pepper. I use Diet Dr. Pepper. And coconut cream, you can actually just buy coconut cream creamer, like from oh. the store, like Coffee Mate creamer, that's fine. And fresh raspberry puree. And it's fucking incredible. It's so good. We should do it, it for needs, like a mocktail. We should. Yes. There's so many. There's um fizz and mm-hmm. swig and so delicious. And thirst. And thirst. thirst. You know There's what I so thought, many. Though? Thirst is top tier. I yes. really I, agree. I fuck a soda shop, you guys. What are you guys doing? Listen. I <laughs> really thought there was going to be way more ice cream shops. Oh, okay, but that's know. cookie shops, so though. I don't cookie. want a cookie shop. Well, I want that ice cream shop. <laughs> Different. I hear you. No, I'm with but you. I'm with right you. now, it's a cookie craze. Maybe yeah. eventually. There are some good ice cream shops, but not to the back. caliber of like. Also, the fact like that in Colorado, there's so many ice cream shops. There are ice cream shops. And it's the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, they have nothing to do. They're just getting ice cream all the time. So I'm right. going to be a happy camper. No. Cookie craze is so intense in Utah. Right now, the biggest brand of Utah, if you, you probably know it, Crumble, you have great cookies. But there's the like the giant cookie company out of Utah, which is like a national chain now, they're suing other companies. Yeah. And I understand the graphics look a little bit similar, but like you can't sue you over a monopoly. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. My biggest issue is like it's the big dog going after like the startups. Yeah. Like right. what is the point? You're being that's an asshole. So, mean. Yeah. so anyway, that's how that's right? how intense the cookies are in Salt Lake City is that people are suing over cookie shops. So I feel like we should all say something that we thought was super weird about Utah because I feel like Utah is a weird place. We can all agree with that. Yeah. So the exorbitant sugar is one. For me, which just recently happened, is a holiday called Pioneer Day. Oh, yeah. So I work for a Utah tech company who has Pioneer Day as one of our holidays. holidays, And trust me, I'm not complaining about it. Yeah. I will take any holiday you give me, but... (laughs) For the first time this year, we actually, like, quote-unquote, celebrated Pioneer Day because we went up to this... There's literally a park called This Is The Place Heritage Park. It's Mm -hmm. where 
Brigham Young decided that they wanted he wanted to settle Salt Lake City as the home of the Mormons. Literally, that lookout over the valley. It's where he had t- a potential, yes. potential, or like allegedly said, "Yes, this is the this place, is the place we yeah. want to settle." Oh my god! And they have like this <laughs> yes. whole Creative. colonial village that they set up, Huge. and they have like literally all of this stuff about sort of Mormon history and Mormon culture. And we went to that with Zach's sisters and it was honestly really fun, (laughs) but it's such a bizarre holiday. Like there's fireworks, but there's like people dressed up in like pilgrim outfits and the locals call it pie and beer day. For the people who don't celebrate Yes, if you're not a Mormon, it's pie and beer day. Yeah, and I will say it's so serious, Pioneer Day is, that there are more fireworks set off on Pioneer Day than on the 4th of July. Like, it is a huge state holiday. And that is a weird thing that I have to learn about. It's basically a federal holiday. Mm -hmm. It is a federal holiday for the state. Yeah, everyone gets the day off if you're a Utah company. Yeah. If you're a Utah-based company, you give your employees Pioneer Day off. Yeah, which is just interesting. Um... Who wants to go next about a weird... I, I have one. A weird thing that I got used to and eventually didn't become, like, a big deal was state-owned liquor stores. Yeah. How... Ugh. So, like, in the Midwest, you can... <laughs> Every time she my goes. Bane of our existence. Exactly. Bane of our existence. But also, like, not a big deal except on Sundays. But... So, here in the Midwest, we can buy liquor, anything of any percentage at the grocery store, essentially. In the um, in Utah, you can only buy anything that's five. I think five percent or less. So like basically like seltzers and like really like the light beer. Store. Yeah, it yeah. used to, it used to be three percent. They did up it, mm-hmm. which was exciting. Very yeah. generous of them. Yeah. So nice. But then there's these state liquor stores that literally are called the state liquor store because it's run by the state. That then there you can buy like liquors and wines and stuff. But again, close on federal holidays on Pioneer Day. They close at like six p.m. Yeah, they I every mean, Sunday they're yeah, closed. Yeah, it's like if you come out of work, you're yeah. like screwed to yeah. even go to yeah. the liquor store. Right. So and the state is profiting off of this. Right. Yeah. They so are. they're making money. Off the of, Mormons. Yes. It's just a giant business. She's her eyes twitching. Which right is right. fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are having a hard time. I love you guys. I'm not trying so to like ultimately, your religion. Ultimately, but. yeah, the money basically does go to LDS. Yeah. Um, it's going. Yeah, it's feeding into the church. Honestly, though, as as just that thing like isolated. Like as long as you plan around. Like if you have plans yeah. on the weekend on Sunday, go to the liquor store on Saturday. It's so it yeah. really wasn't a big deal for. But for me, it was something to get used to. Not that I drink all the time, but yeah. Um, if we were like having to get together on Sunday, and we forgot to get gin, then it's like oh well. Or like you're trying no to make gin today. you're trying to make Sunday <laughs> dinner and you need white wine for a recipe. You can't buy it at Trader Joe's or whatever to right? yeah. make your pasta. Yeah. yeah, we couldn't get two buck chuck. Yeah, and also like there. Been times where I have like so much liquor in my house and it looks like I'm an alcoholic. Well, because you don't want to go. But all I'm the like, time. it's just because I need to stock up. I do I the exact same thing. Yeah. I go like once a month and I fill up a freaking car. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even care what yeah. this looks like. I just, it's I don't want so to have to come back here every week. Because, so inconvenient. Like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk about what might be the title of this episode, um, oh, which yeah. is Utah Moms and the Stanley <laughs> Cup Saga. Um, so something that's weird that has been trendy over the last, like, year, I would say, probably. Um, I love, like, all of the TikToks about Utah moms and, like, how, and, like, how Utah moms are very, um, specific individuals, okay? So a lot of them are stay-at-home moms. A lot of them participate in, like, MLMs. A lot of them are swingers. A lot of them are swingers, right? Like, TikTok Utah moms, right? Like, there's this thing, because, like, when you get married at 19, you've only been with one man. Like, it doesn't surprise me at 35, you're like, what the hell else is out there? But your LDS, you can't get divorced 
because you won't be able to spend eternity in heaven with all of your family because it's a giant sin. And so the big saga of this was there was like a popular TikTok couple who basically was swinging with other TikTok couples who were also LDS here in Salt Lake City or in a suburb of Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. And one of the wives and one of the husbands went off and did something not in the presence of other couples. And that is where they draw the cheating line. Yeah. So then they got divorced. And like, for the record, this isn't all Mormons. This was like a, this isn't like a Mormon thing. It's like a, a, many people that are not Mormons. Right. Do that. Oh, for sure. Swinging is like a whole thing. But it's just like an interesting (laughs) element that like swinging is a thing for everybody. But it's juxtaposed with the very like strict, often like purity culture. Adding that element. Mormons. Yeah. Correct. It's weird. And so that's one of the aspects of like the Utah moms. But the other thing that I think just like Utah moms in, in general, like, um, a lot of Utah families and mothers will name their kids popular names, but will spell them differently so they're more unique. So oftentimes your list of children's names are like wildly spelled. And so my undergraduates, I usually had to ask them how to spell their names multiple times because I didn't know Hmm. how they were spelled or how they were pronounced or whatever. And that was a pretty interesting thing, specifically with like girls, like the women students that I had had interesting names. Um, And then finally, another Utah mom trend that kind of fits is this thing called the stanley cup saga i'm naming it that i don't think that people call it but trademark um or copyright so the stanley cup not the hockey version is literally a company called stanley and they make cups right mugs mugs cups i thought they were mugs like little water water jugs water jugs yetis right they're like yetis or like hydro flask kind of company but they make a bunch of different ones they make ones that are like tumblers with straws this like 40 ounce or 42 ounce water bottle jug like took over the internet. They really and popped off. <laughs> they really popped off hey. online. Okay. And I think, I literally think it was started by Utah moms. I really truly do. Or was like it? Utah influencers. Weren't we saying that like this was a thing like on the East Coast or something? It might have been. Hey, oh. Christian moms can pop off with I that. No idea. Yeah. Pop off but these, yeah. but these, but these ladies, okay, they sold out the Stanley Cup like so quickly and i will say stanley took notice because they started doing these specialty drops genius they started changing the colors from like more masculine because like stanley cup i would assume was like an outdoor brand it's like an outdoor band for like men you know fishing and right right and so like then right they changed all of their branding to like make it like more lady friendly colors so like sage green and baby blue and like this pink and this beautiful cream which i have and like it just was this whole thing and they're expensive they're like 40 dollars a right. pop and so did you steal that cream i did so fun fact story really quick tangent really quick tangent um somebody left if you're listening hi you left a 40 ounce stanley cup in the cream color with brand new stickers on the bottom so i know it hasn't even been through the dishwasher yet um at the trolley square core power and uh, it was there for over three weeks and then i stole it because it was just going to be donated or thrown that away that is you fair game found it. i found yeah. it for yeah. you yeah. and i left it in the yeah. i left it in the lost and found for three weeks and no one took it so i took it because why not as is your right mm-hmm. <sighs> i don't know i think it's really interesting how mormons these mormon ladies can be so late to trims so late. Like, I feel like they're in their, like, early 2010s era right now in terms of, like, the way that they're dressing. Sure. And yet, 
they can also start trends so quickly uh-huh. among themselves and it's a yeah. huge group yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah the stanley cup is an example of that i think yeah like a couple people in your like church are using it and i knew that it was a utah-based trend because almost everyone at the yoga studio carried around stanley cups it was very popular I went to my first yoga class here in Chicago. I was the only person in the studio of 30 people with a Stanley Cup. And I was like, this is weird. Where are all the Stanley Cups? Like, what are you well, people you're doing? Well, you're, now you're bringing it to Chicago. I and should, you're yes. going to start that trend. I am Which a Stanley exciting. Cup influencer. Just so everyone knows. Yeah. yeah. The trend is starting Just so started. everyone knows. Yeah. I am a Stanley Cup influencer. Still yeah. begging for a sponsorship. So, sponsor us. <laughs> On our knees. All of the fall colors. You can send them. I'll give you my address. Send yes. us a DM. Ah. <laughs> okay, Michaela, what's your weird Utah thing? Okay, my weird Utah thing is probably more specific to my experience, and I feel like this has got to be like a almost like another episode. Um, but I moved to Utah single, still single. Oh it's been a still wild single. ride. Um, and so, and and also, I was thinking about this. I was. Uh, in a relationship when I lived in California. So I didn't really get a good vibe of like what the dating scene is like in California. And I was single for a little bit in Denver. So I have a little bit of an idea of what the dating scene is like in Denver, but I have a very unique experience just on my own personal level with dating in Utah, specifically Salt Lake City. And it is different. (laughs) Different. different. Elaborate on that. Well, you should tell them what your type is first. Okay. Don't out me like that, Ryan. (laughs) Say it. I just said you should say it. I may or may not have a thing for finance bros. I'm in my villain era. So it just fits, okay? I'm really hoping to grow out of it. But she also wants to balance her freaking checkbook and make make sure she doesn't file her taxes in June. <laughs> That's really what it is. Um, there's not a lot of finance bros here in Salt Lake City, so it's but, more tech bros, and they're not the same vibe. They're not the mm-hmm. same, and like a lot no. of them are Mormon, and and I, I'm on the apps, and so. That's where I'm doing most. That's where most of the activity is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to branch out of that and go beyond the apps, but it's simple and easy. But like I've created a very soft rule, very soft, but a rule of I don't want to date anybody who's even previously been Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like there's always exceptions to the rule, um, but I found that that is something to navigate. Like if I I've gone on dates with guys who are ex-Mormon, and they are different. Like, the the, especially depending on when they left the church, um, I think that they've um, lost a big part of their teens and early 20s sure. years where you do get to have fun and, like, let loose. Um, and so are they, like, the question is, are they at that stage now? Or did they do that already in the last few years? Can you make up for that quickly? Or maybe they don't really care about that. Um, and there's also, um, and again, I'm generalizing, I don't think all of them are like this, but there's also, I think, an underlying anger that they have towards mm. the church or towards uh, just society in general for taking that away from them um, in their, like, youth and that kind of thing. So there's just so many more things to, like, work through with that type of person. And that's not a bad thing. It's just something to keep in mind as I'm dating. 
Yeah. Um, and then they also um, might have, like, underlying prejudices against women and that kind of thing that they were just sort of taught at a really it's young super, age. super ingrained. And it's ingrained. Yeah. And, it's and like, that's not to say that they can't, like, come out of that because people can grow and people can change, but I don't – it's not my job. Like, that's, that's so hard for me to have to do that with somebody that I'm dating. And yeah. so this is taking a very serious turn, but <laughs> – all this to say, and I and I don't want to get too much into this, and we could talk about this in a different episode. I think I yeah. could talk about this for forever, but yeah. that has been a very, very unique thing here in Utah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I would just say, like, again, this could feel like a very generalized episode, and, like, individual people I know who are LDS are great, and some individual people who are LDS are not great. And, yeah. like, it just kind of depends. But, like... All in all, I had a good experience in Utah. And if we didn't have to move, we would have stayed there for a while. I think we wouldn't have stayed there forever. Like if we ever end up having kids, I don't think that Al and I will raise, would raise our kids in Utah just to like protect I them wouldn't. because you don't know and kids are, can be mean and cruel and like having a kid with two moms going to school with, you know, children who have grown up in the LDS faith, who knows what that experience would be like for our children. Mm -hmm. And also just like, it's far away from family. But I did meet some of the best people, both LDS and non-LDS, while I lived in Utah. I had such a great experience. It's a beautiful place to be. If you've never visited, go visit. stunning. The city is like literally in... The mountains. In the mountains, yeah. yeah. Drive five minutes, you're yeah. in the, yeah. the canyons. Park City is yeah. beautiful. There's so many, like, in my opinion, there were good restaurants. Like, coming from the Midwest, where there's, like, just yeah. chains everywhere in Iowa. Like, it was a good experience as far as food goes. And we did have some really great cocktails there, too. Like, there mm-hmm. were some great little bars. And mm-hmm. I just, I had a really good time. And so I think I don't regret moving there. And I do miss it. Will I ever move back? Probably not. But I'm grateful that we had the experience mm-hmm. there that we did. Um, and I got to meet the people that we kind of met and spent time with. Um, but it is a weird place. It's different. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a different place. It's in a quirky. bubble. Which there, yeah. are, there, yeah. are quirk, there are quirks about every big city. Totally. Um, so it was good. Yeah. I enjoyed my time there. I think it's interesting to talk about the differences between like the states we grew up in and the experiences we had in Utah. Al, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I grew up in Michigan. So one of the things that still like captivates me is just look literally like looking at the mountains every single day, waking up, like driving home from work, driving to work, driving on the highway, mountains everywhere. And it's the most beautiful thing. I guess the biggest difference is, yeah, the Midwest is, I guess the most basic thing I say is it's more chill. Moving back to the Midwest and being in Chicago, and I was only gone for a year, but I, the first thing I thought was like, yeah, this feels more like home. This I feel more comfortable here. Um, but And if we would have stayed in Utah for a little bit longer, I bet I would have felt that too. But yeah, the biggest difference is just culturally. Like Michigan, for especially in West Michigan where I lived for a little bit. I didn't grow up there, but I lived there for quite a bit. Um, definitely conservative, but again, it was a city. Grand Rapids is a city, so I, it was fine. Um, so I guess the biggest thing was just cultural differences and getting used to that shift. I didn't... Like, I grew up in Colorado, and there's a lot of the same stuff that's going on in Colorado that there is in Utah. But I will say that after living in California, 
it's really made me realize how unfashionable people are in Utah. <laughs> Wait, that's kind of a surprise because I thought Utah like was a little bit not like well the runway fashionable, but oh my god, no. Maybe athleisure is what I'm. I would say I would say that Utah people, in my experience, get more dressed up when they go places. Whether or not it's actually stylish or on it's trend not. is another question. Yes. But they are definitely put together in specific ways. Like, I had a lot of women who wore their athletic wear to yoga and had a full face of makeup, yeah. including eyelash extensions, and, like, came to yoga with, like, a literal full face. Like, I wouldn't even wear that to a fancy dinner. Yeah. Like, full, full face. And that's fine. Like, you do you. But I definitely felt that, too. Whether or not they had taste in those outfits is another conversation that's what i'm talking about right but like i'm talking about and i think what al's talking about too is like just the fact that they get dressed up Mm -hmm. for like that's everything yeah that's to me that's a very and like personally i am more relaxed i would consider myself i dress like androgynous but Mm -hmm. growing up definitely a tomboy Mm -hmm. and like even to like events and stuff growing up as a family like yeah we dressed up but it wasn't like you have to put your makeup on and dress up to go to the grocery store. Like, I went in sweatpants. So, to me, that that is a very wild concept. Getting ready for everything. Yeah, they definitely don't do that in Colorado. They do not dress up for anything. No, they're in hiking gear yeah, 90% yeah. of the time. Like, they're ready for a hike. Literally. 24/7. That's, like, yeah. that's actually the fashion there. Yeah. Like, the vibe. <laughs> I touched on this a little bit, but... So I grew up in Georgia, which is the Bible Belt of the South. I grew up near Atlanta And I saw a lot of parallels between the conservative aspects of how I grew up and the conservative aspects of how Mormons and people of the LDS faith grew up. So I, yeah, Zach and I grew up in very Christian households. We both still consider ourselves Christians, but we're very much departed from the very conservative way of thinking and just much more in general, open, more leftist, things like that. As um, But we got married pretty young. We were 24 and 25. And so coming into a culture where that's just the norm, that's actually probably a little on the old side to get married, it was bizarre because none of my friends I was hanging out with were married. We were the only married couple, I think, still to this day of my friends that are living in Salt Lake. Yet everybody else around us in the LDS faith was more similar in that way to where they got married very young, but they also started having kids very young, which Zach and I did not do. So it was not as different culturally to me as it was in landscape and just general vibe of life. Like Georgia is incredibly humid. It is forests. So you can't see farther than like the trees that are in front of you. And so, you know, Mariah said she felt very claustrophobic going into Salt Lake. I thought it was one of the widest open views I've ever seen. And just the mountains there don't compare to the quote-unquote mountains we have in Georgia. But culturally, there were a lot of similarities that I think made it so it was somewhat of an easy transition for me. Like, I've lived in that conservative bubble for a long time, and this isn't too, too much different. Yeah, and I think for me... I actually might have had a different experience than a lot of other queer people in Utah, especially queer people who grew up in Utah. Because I grew up in Iowa, and it's supposed to be a super kind of, um, it's I don't want to say liberal, that's like the wrong word to use. I would say they were early adopters of like accepting queer people, right? Like it was the first state where um, gay marriage was accepted, 
like there are a lot of gay people, but I was not exposed to them. So I kind of grew up in a more sheltered way, in a very privileged way. We didn't have like a lot of money or anything, but like we did very specific things growing up. We didn't spend time with people who were not like us. And I only really knew growing up like gay men, Mm. just a handful, like not very often. I didn't really have a lot of experience with gay women. I didn't really know that like I could be queer and look and dress the way that I wanted to look and dress. And so, and on, and kind of in addition to that, people in Iowa said they were very open, but we never discussed it. Mm. So it was the assumption that everyone is accepting, which is false, right? And that's not true at all. But there were no discussions, mm. so I didn't know. And when I came to Utah, Salt Lake City specifically, so many people that I met were queer and yes. were almost more open as a result of the oppression yeah. that happens in the city because of the LDS faith. And so that was my experience of like, oh my God, Utah is way more open and people are out and proud and like girls are holding hands in the street and like kissing on the corner. And like there was just more representation in my personal life and my day-to-day living than I'd ever experienced before ever. And so to me, even though Utah is considered a more conservative state than Iowa, the openness of the liberal queer culture. They're louder. Right. They're so Mm -hmm. loud and like they take up so much space. And I loved that. And so that was super different. And honestly, I think like that's one of the big reasons why I came out. And also just being away from my family, I could feel my feelings and be who I wanted to be without this umbrella of like what my family thinks that I am and what I should be. And I was able to kind of forge my own path in that way going to Utah, which I think a lot of people are like, wait a second, you went to Utah and then came out as gay? Like how does yeah, that even connect? Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, but it does to me, it makes sense like to have that thousand, a thou- literally a thousand miles away from my parents, getting to live there on my own and having a lot of exposure to all different types of queer folks and knowing that like I could be myself and also date women and I didn't have to change a lot of stuff about myself if I wanted to date women. And like, it was an okay thing to do. And so that was very different for me. And it was the best thing ever. Love. Yay. Did everybody share? I think so. (gasps) Yay. That means we're going to close it out. We did it. Um, I think it was pretty successful for having our first two guests on the show. We went from no guests to two guests right away. Two for one, baby. Two for one special. Um, Hopefully we'll have lots of guests in the future. Thank you both, Ryan and Al, for coming and hanging out with us this morning. Thank you. You guys are going to see a lot more of them. Yes. They will be mentioned. Well, I'm always here. You just don't always hear me. Yeah. Al's always here making the drinks. I'm just trying to use this to launch my personal social media platform. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yes. Oh, they're using us. (laughs) Everyone's Instagram will be in the show notes. Please follow all of us. If you don't follow Michaela and I already on our podcast platform and our personals, those will be in the show notes also. Thank you all for coming and hanging out with us. Um, We're going to finish these mimosas and make our way to brunch. So, cheers. Cheers. We love you.